The Oklahoma Business Show is proudly sponsored by Your IT, managed IT services and cybersecurity for Oklahoma businesses. Y-O-U-R-I-T.com. You deserve better IT. I'm Chris Moraz and welcome to the Oklahoma Business Show, where we speak with business owners and leaders about their struggles, successes, and things they've learned along the way. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Oklahoma Business Show. Today, we are sitting here with Alyssa Weathers-Murphy. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Alyssa is the owner of Siren Media, a woman-owned marketing agency here in OKC. Uh, works with small business owners on branding, web design, social media, advertising, the whole enchilada. So... If you would start us off giving your giving us a little better bio than what I just did. That was really good. Was that on my new website? It may have been significantly sourced from <laughs> LinkedIn and your website. Yes. Perfect. But anyway. <laughs> well, uh, and yeah, thank you, Chris, for having me. Like Chris said, my name's Alyssa Weathers Murphy, and I started a marketing agency um, at first against my will. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but out of necessity about four and a half years ago, uh, and it's just been a wild ride. So we're, we're approaching year five. I love working with small businesses. I love working with, you know, nonprofits and organizations that don't have a strong marketing department that need help. Um, that's kind of my passion, but my background reverse rewind music. Okay. We just, we just hopped in the time machine together. It was 1988. Okay, no, just kidding. We won't go back all the way to the year I was born, but I'm from Edmond, Oklahoma, and my family owned a TV business. It's still there. They've, they've sold it actually this year. It's called Weathers TV and Appliance. And my papa, my grandpa, started that in 1958. And over time, my dad, I think in like the late 80s, early 90s, came into the business and helped him. It was more like a repair and appliance store. And my dad came in around the eighties, nineties and really made it more of a, like a stereo audio, um, you know, cool tech sales floor environment. Um, then he started expanding the business into the unit next door. So they expanded into a unit um, next door to them in downtown Edmond. So they're still standing today. Um, my earliest memories of business was behind the counter. So, I mean, uh, this is back in the 90s where you have those big screen TVs, right? Like the really big, deep, boxy ones. Yeah. And my mom and dad didn't trust me to stay at home with my sisters. They were both like six and seven years older than me. They were afraid that I was going to get beat up <laughs> or whatever. They were going through their goth phase. We all have one. And I would spend summers and after school behind or in between like those those huge big screen TVs sometimes scare the heck out of customers like, oh, child there. But I grew up there. That's, that was very much my, my upbringing was behind the scenes of a small business. And I remember my, my papa, you know, older generation and my dad having conversations about how they're going to have, you know, more phone calls that month. You know, what are they going to do to get business going? And 
that was kind of like a, a memory, like kids call it, the kids call it the core memory on TikTok, but I just want to, whatever. That's probably a core memory though, like hearing that conversation. So as I grew older, went through my goth phase in my teen years, but I don't know that I ever grew out of. <laughs> it's just more colorful now. Uh, I started realizing that I had a knack for selling and what is selling? Like what is marketing? Marketing is selling on a very, um, on a much bigger scale. I feel like I'm one of the only few millennials who can say I went to college and I used both of my degrees. I went to school for business administration, marketing, and I took a minor in minor, took a minor in professional selling. So I've always had an interest in developing that skill. Yeah. The gift of gab. I've always had the gift of gab. So I love that because the first thing I was going to ask you was, is this something you had always wanted to do was to own your own business? Um, are you comfortable sharing kind of what that journey was of, of oh, take yeah. it away? It's called a trauma dump. Oh, wow. Let's do it. Let's, let's do the trauma dump, shall we? Now I, I, okay. Back to college, went to school, got my degree. I had all of this imposter syndrome when I had just graduated college because there for about mm, six years or so between that high school and graduating college, six or seven years. Hey, shout out to anybody who's taken forever to graduate college. Um, that was something that I was super, super insecure about, but it turns out that nobody cares and good on you if you get through it and good on you if you don't. Like there's just, I don't care as much as I did then, but I graduated and I had all these years of retail experience. So I was working as a makeup artist. I worked for some prestige brands. I started off at beauty brands, worked my way up. Beauty brands is no longer in business. I don't know if you know this. I don't know where you get your shampoo, but that was a that was a really big company. They they were around for uh, many years. I think maybe like 10, 20 years. I don't know. Started stocking shampoo there when I was like 18 years old. I was making $7.25 an hour. And I'd gotten, I'd worked myself up everywhere I went. Eventually got recruited at Dillard's, worked for all these prestige brands, the ladies and some of your other listeners might know Mac Cosmetics. That's a big, that was a really big deal. Yeah. Like 10, 13, 15 years ago, like all the, I can't, this is probably the third time I've said goth on your show. So let that be a record. If anybody else can say goth, like more than that. We'll make sure and put the hashtag in the notes there. Hashtag goth yeah. business ladies. Uh, that was a, that was a place I always wanted to work at, but you can only do retail when you're, I feel like retail, they have people who do it all their lives. And that is like their, their career. And that is wonderful for me. I was not strong enough in my feet to deal with being on my feet all day. So when I graduated college and I had all this, you know, makeup artistry experience, yes, but I had sales experience because you're, it's just like working anywhere else. You have, you have your goals. You have to know um, a little bit about managing a team. It is a business. You have to learn how to deal with rejection yes. in a retail. Yes. Constant, mm -hmm. constant and high volume. So after I graduated college, I thought to myself in my head, that evil little gremlin in your head that gives you the self-doubt scripts, like oh, nobody's going to hire you. You're just a makeup artist. Mm -hmm. They're going to find out. They're going to find out. I don't know what they were going to find out, but I went to college and got a degree and worked way through like everyone else had. And had business experience. I don't know. I just had the worst time dealing with that. And I actually got a job right out of college, was recruited by a very small web design company here locally. And that didn't work out. I think I worked there for oh, four or five months and eh, it was small, very small shop. Yeah. Went and got my foot in the door in media. So I worked actually was kind of venting to one of my girlfriends who I worked with in 
cosmetics. She said, you know, my husband's company is hiring. That's always how it works too, by the way. Oh yeah. Always how it works. Relationships, connections. I mean, you can find a job online. You can find a job on LinkedIn. You can build connections online, but really you will find the weirdest connections by just telling people in your network what you're looking for. And that's what happened to me. Uh, Greg Sorrells, this is his name. Shout out Greg, Cox Media. <laughs> he, uh, I was friends with both of them, you know, long-term, long-time friends. And he said, you know, this makes perfect sense. You're you've got a marketing degree. You're a salesperson. You understand the world. Why don't you interview for this job? So I interviewed for a marketing position. I got rejected. I called them back. This is something, this is a hack. If you get rejected from a corporate, like big, big, big company, call them back and sell yourself. I did that. Maybe it was because I just had no shame. I, I don't know if I have shame. We, we all have different types, types of shame. But the, we have levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I called back and I said, well, you know, uh, I understand I didn't get the job. I understand the other candidate has more experience that, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't get it, but I'm excited for them. Is there anything else that they're hiring for? Because I really enjoyed that work environment. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a recruiter in Atlanta yeah. at this point. What else can I apply for? I want to work for this company. And she said, you know what? I like that you asked that. They were, she said that there might be something, but she didn't know. So she'd get back to me. Locally, that uh, media outlet reached out to me and said, hey, we were thinking of putting together this junior sales position and we want you to interview for it. That's pretty incredible. Now that did that, that Atlanta pass your information down here locally? Well, I'd already had the local contact. Okay. So that's one little piece of advice. I don't know if you, if you have a lot of listeners that are working in a very big company, but if, if you're in a situation where- I don't where you, know if I have any listeners either. But <laughs> you know what? You know what I meant though. Like if anybody's out there trying to get a job with a very big company, it is always going to help get your name pulled in faster when you have somebody who's further up the chain. Yeah. But they did. They called me back and I applied for it and I got the job and I was there for about oh, three and a half years. And this company- was the advertising branch for the local cable okay. uh, company. So they, they sold, you know, 30 second TV spots on all of the, all the channels on all your cable and satellite networks that take local advertising. So I learned so much about TV, about digital marketing, about media in general, about contracts, about sales, how to be, having to build a book of business. Like that was really mm a good foundation. It was very difficult and shout out to sales reps who have been in media for a long time. It is hard to get out of it because you get, you do kind of get stuck in that cycle. I mean, any, any industry you're in as a salesperson, it's hard sure. to kind of get out of, yeah. but some of my nearest and dearest friends, I still keep in touch with them. And I have so much love in my heart for that. Just say, well, not really for me, I think I hit about year three and a half and I just was feeling burned out you know, you're, you're in some of those, I won't say old school, but a different kind of sales management structure where, you know, you walk in and there's cubicles everywhere. Everybody's in a sales pit. All your numbers are on the board. Like that's what it was at the time. Oh, this is wow. a long time ago. Old school intense. Very, very intense. And I wanted to get out of that. The other reason I wanted to get out of it was because I felt like small businesses couldn't always use my product. Right. Like if you get a phone call, if you're a small business owner and you get a phone call from somebody trying to sell you a $1,500 a month or $2,500 a month, $10,000 a month package to be on TV. Well, that's cool. But 
at the time that I was selling these, I would meet with mom and pop shops who could afford that, but they didn't have a website or the website was broken. So what's going to happen when somebody goes to Google this business, they're going to lose that lead. That's, I mean, ethically to me, that's wrong. Uh, So it just wasn't the right tool to help the kind of client I wanted to help. Okay. Well, so tell me this. So you you realize it's not the best fit for you. As you're going through college and you graduated with the business degree in marketing, what were you hoping to get into? That's a good question. I don't know that I really knew. I mean, initially I thought, you know, I want to work for a department or I want to work in a department. I want to have a consistent schedule. I want to work nine to five. I want to get out of work and be happy. I want to know what's expected of me every day. And that's interesting because when I graduated, nobody was calling me back for marketing jobs. Oh, wow. The only callbacks I was getting was for sales jobs. It's probably the same today, if I had to guess. But I mean, I did. I interviewed at quite a few different places, but the the strongest offers that I got were all sales, sales oriented. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. Oh, well, where were we? We were talking about. So, so you're done. You're done at the wonderful experience you had at Cox Media, and now you're looking for what's next. Bounced around a little bit there for a while. I went back to working for smaller firms. Um, there were two firms in between there, one that did video production on a really cool scale. Um, they also did learning management software. They were located in Norman, worked there for about a year. Um, that was starting to kind of feel like media though. It was, but it was a different kind of feel because it was a small company trying to figure out how to manage more salespeople. So they were expanding. Um, still have a lot of friends that work there. Still love the owner, just didn't work. And then the last one was just, you know, me not having alternatives. I was approached to take on a business development job again for a very small firm that was more in aligned with the one that I more like the one that I worked for right out of college, which was we do websites, SEO, social media. If you're seeing a pattern in my past and I was like, you know what, it might be good to get back to this because now I've got all these years of experience understanding how to sell to clients and how to how to consult a little bit better. I might give this another shot. Plus it, it, it's a better tool for small business owners. That's what really small business owners, nonprofits and organizations that I want to work with. That's the kind of stuff they need. What did you see was a better tool? And like the websites, um, offering that as a solution, social media, Google ads, just all the jargon you hear in digital marketing. And I was there for about three months <laughs> and it was the silliest thing. I think that these guys were very well-intended. I was very well-intended they, I, I gather that they just did not understand what it took to get a salesperson equipped and how long it takes to get sales off the ground. Had a couple of contracts sell and, you know, hindsight, I have a lot more understanding and grace for them and their position. Of course, you're always bitter when something like that happens, but they did let me go. They let me go. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten fired. Um, the shame gremlins, uh, that those were a real thing. It was like fraggle rock of shame gremlins in my head. Just like, oh my gosh, you got fired. You're worthless. Like, what the heck are you even doing? But it, that is honestly the, the best career thing that has ever happened to me was being let go. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. And I know, you know, in um, my career life and things and you, people will tell you that at some point and you're yeah. like, you're like oh, whatever. You are crazy. Yeah. Um, and then when it happens three, six, maybe a year later, mm-hmm. you're like that was, that was good. It was solid. You, you need a good three years 
to despice. Yeah, I think <laughs> despise. You, oh God, I, I, I feel like everybody in my network. I told that story, like you would never believe. Uh, but honestly, if I were in their position, if I had made the same decision that they did, I probably would have had to make a decision like that. When you're a small company, you have to make decisions. You try new things, doesn't work out. You have to try and go back. You have to take a step back. So. When I got let go, that really did force me to take stock in what I had been doing the last few years, many years. And I realized, you know, the one thing that I've been doing really, really well throughout this entire, what is it, six years or so, that whole span of time was I've been doing a lot of networking. I have, I was the, I was the incoming president for my association, the American Marketing Association, started volunteering with them in college and I became the chapter president for the Oklahoma City chapter. And I had kind of accumulated all of these people in my network. And I had just told everybody for three months, hey, I'm doing websites and small business stuff. And I was starting, it was starting to trickle. Like I was starting to get leads right at the time they let me go. So I thought, you know, I never had any desire to do this. And I remember telling one of the partners at that company, I have zero desire to be an agency owner, like negative desire to be an agency owner. I just want to come in, do my job and go home. Well, um, that same time, I also had a lot of friends who had gotten furloughed. So there was a local media company that had just folded. So there were, there was an SEO specialist, there was a Facebook ads person, there was a social media person. And then there was another company that was laying people off. And so I was introduced to a web developer you know, wow. most of these people are still freelancers on my team. So I filed my LLC paperwork and started calling people and said, I think I started a marketing firm. Okay. It's called Siren Media and we're doing social media right now, but the goal is to start doing other things. And I did. So you, you saw the opportunity, you grabbed it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love it. Terrifying. And so for the first few months or year, mm-hmm. Do you stop and question that decision nope. or you hit the ground running and you're like... Hit the ground running. Hit the ground running. I mean, at first, and my, my husband is my biggest cheerleader. Shout out Matt Murphy. <laughs> One word, Matt Murphy. Technically, legally, it's two, but I just call him Matt Murphy. Um, he's my biggest cheerleader and supporter. And when I told him what I was thinking of doing, he said, okay. He, he supported me for a month or two before I was able to you know, get my clients off the ground and just get some cash underneath me without him, without us being able to do that, I probably wouldn't have. So if anybody out there is thinking of starting a business, the first thing you need to make sure you're able to do one, get a, get a few clients, two or three clients to be ready to pay all of your living expenses for a few months. You need to, you need to build that on ramp. After that, if you're doing what you need to be doing every day and you're starting to build word of mouth and starting to get business, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it starts to happen if your product is good and yeah. if your if your brand is good. Now, if you start making people angry or <laughs> your product's not good. Eh. Then you better plan for a month seven when everyone leaves you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, so frequently we'll hear people say similar where they had this opportunity and they, they jumped on it. Um, Looking back, is it something you think you would have gotten to eventually? Or do you think had that not happened, had you not gone through that mm-hmm. shitty experience, mm-hmm. do you think you'd be where you are? Or do you think that you would have just kept g- going through being an employee? And I probably would have stayed yeah. being an employee. 
hundred percent. I don't know. And it's, it's hard to say, but based on, based on where I was going, I probably would have just stayed the course of being an employee somewhere. Mm -hmm. I hate that it happened. I love that it happened. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Because knowing you for the time I have such an encouragement. So I'm glad that, that you were forced to go down this path. Well, thanks. How long have we known each other? A couple of years? It was through Sandler uh, I training, no I think. It was through COVID. We'll say three. Three years, three-ish years. Yeah, plus or minus one. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are a well-known advocate for women in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if you can share how that's impacted your journey as a business ownership. Good question. Good question. It's one of those things, too, that sometimes I forget. <laughs> I don't know if people who are in different, you know, classes or, you know, races or have different things about them. But like after a while, you just kind of forget, oh yeah, there's this different thing about me. But yeah, I am a woman. I'm a female Hmm. business owner. Hmm. There's fewer of us. That sucks. But there are a lot of reasons why that could be. And I'm really passionate about helping other woman-owned businesses, even if they're my quote unquote competitor. I don't care. Like there's enough business in Oklahoma City and in this part of the country, region, whatever to go around. I'm very much abundance mindset, but I love hearing other women who have, you know, gone through their own obstacles in life. You know, for, for a lot of women that, that can look like the decision to start a family and how to balance that. Not to say that men don't have that too, but like, it's, you know, it's very different for women. You know, what do you do with your children? What if you do if your spouse leaves you, what do you do? You know, X, Y, Z. Like, I think I'm so very much empowered, encouraged by women in my life that, yeah, that's a really big motivating factor. And to see some of the stats, it's getting better. There was some study, I don't need to find it. I think COVID was a huge turning point for a lot of women to leave the workforce because it forced a lot of people to reevaluate their lives. You know, all of a sudden they're out of work for months and months and months because their company can't operate. There was a huge influx of female entrepreneurs entering the market. So way to go, ladies. Um, I'm super excited about that. But honestly, I, I mean, I don't think that being a woman-owned business has necessarily hurt us. That being said, if you go to my website, you're going to see, you know, lots of bold colors. You're going to see blue, but you're going to see hot pink. And if you're the kind of business owner that's like, oh my gosh, I hate those colors. And if they decide not to call me, eh, I might not want to work with you. So I think it's good. It's kind of a qualifier, right? But yeah, um, also working with young people out of college is another big part of my heart because it sucks. It sucks. And anybody who's getting through college knows it sucks. Anybody getting out of college trying to find a job knows it sucks. People who are in transition knows it sucks. One of my favorite things to do is to get referred to somebody who's struggling. So I will get people referring me like, hey, my friend could really use a pep talk. Hey, my friend could really use some direction and guidance. Kind of toyed with the idea of having some sort of career coaching or guidance program or course or something like that. Because I've over the years have created some criteria that I use when I'm evaluating some business decision or um, employment opportunity, kind of retroactively because now I'm a business owner. And I, I think it's really important that people be really picky and choosy about where they work. And for women, there is, so we live in Oklahoma, we live in the South, we live in a part of the country where things are a little bit more buttoned up, a little more conservative. 
for young girls, the message is oftentimes don't be rude and be quiet. And what is, what is something rude that you do? Being rude means asking people questions, you know, a little too, being a little too personal. One of the questions that, that hurts women in business is being that message of not to ask people about money. Mm. Don't talk about money. Don't be too loud. Don't assume too much. Don't take up too much space. And that message, it's a micro message, but if, if you're somebody who is trying to abide by like the standard, I need to make my family proud. I need to make my community proud. My friends proud of me. Those aren't having tough questions about money and promoting yourself are not things that are counter that are, that are intuitive. Those are not things that you're just going to run out there and do. Like I'm, I'm so thankful that my mom is a very, you know, strong, but yet quiet person and has let me run my mouth my whole life because she, she, she and my dad made a, a confident person. My other, my other two sisters, they're out of their goth phase. Now they're crunchy bikers, um, trail bike, not like Harley. <laughs> yeah. I saw them with the vests and yeah, yeah. going down Route 66. <laughs> they're all very confident. They're, they're very, they're both very accomplished in what they do, but that is not how a lot of women are being raised. That's not how a lot of young girls are being raised. And now we've got a new generation that is, for lack of a better term, they're just like turning it upside down and it's exciting. It's also terrifying as a business owner because you're like, do I, am I cool? Am I, am I canceled? Did I do something? <laughs> but helping those young people kind of get into, or people who are in transition, get to where they're going, I think is a really big calling. I have, I think everybody should have. If you're in it, whatever industry you're in, take some time, take a meeting a month or a meeting a week and go do coffee with a kid in college. Give them good advice. So um, educate us mm. on that. I don't do that. Mm. I would have no idea. Oh, well, you're a bad person. Where to start on that. I'm not the best, but where, so, I mean, I'm not going to go down to the college and like, have a sandwich board asking who wants to go hang out for lunch. That'd be creepy. Um, that's why I'm not going to do it. Um, Plus you have to get a permit, I think is how they. (laughs) Generally, how, how would I go about that? Cause that's, that's, that's something I do need to do. Okay. Um, do you have your, you have your pen and paper? Yeah. Okay. You know, I do. Step one. It's also being recorded. So reach out to your local university or favorite university. Your alma mater, you don't even have to have gone to school there, but like, where did you go to school at? Where didn't I go to school? Um, OCU, UCO, a little OCCC. Oh, wow. Okay. What's your favorite if you had to pick one? Oh, my gosh. Um, if you had to drive on the campus. For this conversation, we'll say UCO. UCO. Bronchos. I was hoping you'd say UCO. So reach out to their department. Reach, reach out to, if, they, if you have any old professors that are still there, reach out to them. Say, hey, I own a business now. I, if you need a speaker to come and talk to any of your classes, I'd love to be considered. They will take you up on that because they are always looking for ways to get college people interested in life that's about to happen after they graduate. (laughs) Do you remember, do you remember like being a senior in college and you're like, well, (laughs) I guess I'm going to (laughs) graduate. What am I going to do? I don't know. But they will absolutely take you up on that. Unless they don't like you, then I can't help you. Yeah. And I, I don't know them well enough for them to like me or dislike me, I would imagine. And so then those those career placement plate, career placement services, I imagine the universities will be able to partner with maybe an uh, interested college student that's just looking to 
get some... There's so many different ways. Like I just did a speed networking thing at UCO and that is one program. It's a sub program. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. I'm so sorry to UCO and the people who put this together, but that was a student run initiative. But I also have professors who will just reach out to me that I'm still in touch with and they'll say, hey, got a class. Can I bring him to the to your office? I did that a couple of weeks ago for one of my, for one of my longtime college um, professor friends slash colleagues, whatever you want to call her. She brought a group of four young ladies to my office and yeah. just, they talked to me about their fears and I told them what I thought. They all took notes and they sent a thank you card. <laughs> but it, so it's, you can go and speak to class. Yes. Or you can go and do some of those speed networking things. Um, those are pretty cool then whatever the alumni association has in mind. And I don't know if different colleges on campus, like I was college of business. So that, that program looks different than maybe, what did you graduate with? I didn't. You didn't graduate from nope. UCO. Okay. Boy, that got really dark. I know. So I'm, uh, I'm going to let that awkward pause sit there for a I'm moment. sorry. Did I bring um, up something? So and then I guess I assume as you begin to just spread the word in your network, Hey, I'm looking to mentor some yeah. people. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and the opportunities come up. You can put it on social media. Okay. Mm-hmm. Set up a time on your Calendly and let people book it. I haven't done that because yeah. I don't know that I want to do that. So one reason I haven't is because I'm afraid of the of of time and and w- so honestly I'm afraid one. While I know I have experience, I'm like no one like no one cares. I don't have enough valuable insight to provide someone. And then the second one is, do I have enough time to commit? I don't want to agree to work with someone and then you know not live up to their expectations. You were just talking about coffee. Yeah. You don't have to like write their business plan or anything. Okay. Okay. I think lower your expectation on what's expected of you. (laughs) I'm all in or I'm nothing. So I got it. I got it. You need help. Let's sit down and I will be with you. You'd be amazed though. Like even just simple things like how do I apply for a job or like, how do I have an interview or how do I do like very basic things? You give these young people a taste of what it's like to be a business person. It is so encouraging for them. It is so encouraging for them. I had, um, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a spicy person. Um, I think, I think you've got, you've got a little bit of spice to you, a little flavor, maybe not quite as spicy, but I can. Okay. Personality wise, I'm not talking about like the way I taste or anything, (laughs) but I spoke on campus. That might've been a little too spicy. It was a a Christian university. Love going to speak to their class every year. But sometimes I forget that maybe some of my outlooks might be perceived as spicy. I don't know. Uh, But you know what? I drove 20 minutes out of my way. I don't want to say what I want. And I got invited to do it again. But there was a question, this was a senior management class and there was a question from the audience and it was this young lady and she's a sales major or marketing major with a sales minor. And she asked the question, how do you advocate for yourself and ask for what you need without coming off as cocky? I love this question. And you said? (laughs) I was like, "Mm, I have a question for professor who is one of my dear friends and asked him, I was like, question for you. When you've been negotiating a salary in the past, have you ever felt that asking for what you wanted came off as cocky? And he said, oh, well, um, no, uh, well, that's an interesting question. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second. She's too spicy. And I was like, that was too spicy. I think I stepped in something. But it's, it, it, he had a really great response. He was like, you know, I didn't think about it that way, but you know what? I have not thought about it that way, but, but I certainly have heard from other female colleagues some of the things that they feel and experience. I'm like, Interesting. 
So to her question, your male counterparts may not and most likely do not have the same fear because they are most of the time raised to be maybe a little bit more outspoken, a little bit more bold, have gotten that like, ah, go get him tiger. And that's societal. I mean, that, that doesn't speak for every single person. Everybody is different, but by and large, and that's been my my lived experience, your male counterparts, if you're a woman in business, are not stepping behind the line waiting for somebody to ask them for what they want. You have to ask for what you want. And she goes, oh, okay. But I, I loved seeing these little light bulbs go off in the room, like every young girl. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I love <laughs> that you that you answered that question by asking a question of someone else even. Mm-hmm. Um, Wasn't trying to be spicy. No, so sorry. It, it's, <laughs> there's appropriate times to... And I'm not going to say put people on the spot. There's appropriate times to change the conversation. Illustrate for illustrative purposes. And if you, I'm sure everybody was ready for this perfectly formed, appropriate answer for the location of where you're speaking. um, And that you spun it around to make it real world. I don't think that's spicy. I think that's That's a little bit bit of... Um, Maybe for the format of being a Christian university. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think it is something to think about when you are, I mean, if you're a parent raising young people, if you are a young people, it's important to remind yourself that in business, like whether it's getting a job or whether it's going to get your tires changed, like everything in life is a negotiation. And if you can step back and be objective about it, this is what they want. This is what I want. Do we have a deal? And that could be like taking your spouse out to dinner. We talk about this at Sandler training all the time, like how to have that negotiation, realizing when you are in a a negotiating space and where I see people get tripped up and especially in, in women, we are afraid to ask value. We are afraid to claim our value for some reason. I cannot put a finger to it. I think that one thing is maybe the way that we are raised but I am very, very super passionate slash spicy about trying to coach this younger generation to go for it. Okay. I love it. People will say, yes, I am living proof of it. I would not have a company. I would not have a business. I would not have clients if I didn't just go for it. I love it. Thanks. I love it. You had mentioned that um, you love working with small businesses. That's kind of your focus. Um, so change in topics just a little bit. Yep. What's the absolute favorite part of what you do? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, you seen the Marie Kondo show, that organizing show on Netflix? I'm familiar with it. Okay. Marie Kondo, she is a Japanese woman and she has like a system of organizing and she'll go into homes like hoarder situations and families that are very messy. And she just looks at it calmly and she starts showing them how to organize their mess. Marketing mess. I love marketing mess. I love meeting people who are like, okay, so we're paying something over here. We're not sure what it's getting. Um, we can't get into our website. Someone broke it. You know, just, just I like to take inventory of all the things <laughs> going wrong and then one by one making them right. And then over time, once we get on plan, once we get on like the plan to organize them and get their stuff together, I just had an, a client email us the other day who's gotten to the point where we're doing active advertising campaigns. And now we're actually able to start 
seeing the results. They're like, we've gotten no less than five comments on how great our social media looks. And we got leads off of our Facebook this week. Like we owe it all to you. Yes. And like all my team gets the praise on that. Um, (laughs) But that's, that is such a cool experience to be part. And I take that very seriously as being, being trusted with a business's marketing. That's my favorite part. How, so how common is it that you have to go in and untangle the cables first before you can get everything plugged in? Every single time. And is that a conversation you have with your prospects early on? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's usually what brings them to calling an agency in the first place or a marketing company in the first place is, my stuff's a mess, help. Because it seems <laughs> like the expectation of, hey, it's going to take us however long mm-hmm. to fix this and you're not going to see results yep. for however long that is. You have to be willing to be patient, do some production, create the stuff. Because I know a lot of businesses that say, I need marketing, I need it now. Uh-huh. And they expect uh-huh. within two weeks, I've been running Google ads for two weeks. and I've Why not are you describing thing. my worst and most hated <laughs> client experience ever? But yeah. we, we learn better, we do better. But yeah, that is, that is a type and I will not. I very specifically have adapted my sales process and disqualification process. That's one of my biggest things. Like, when are you thinking you're going to need to see results? Early on, did you not have those conversations and people's expectations were Well, yeah, when when you start a business, you might not be quite as stringent because you need to get the business in the door. You need to keep, you need to build the business. But now we're at a point where I can be as picky as I want to be. I mean, I still need to grow. It's painful to be picky and realize that somebody is going to be a not fit when you know that they have the budget to spend with you. But I've learned a lot of different hard lessons in the wrong fit client. Frequently more painful. Oh my gosh. To not be picky. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. I love it. Mm, We try. There's, there's what, there's one of our clips. Mark it down. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. There's a clip. Just one. Um, Changing topics, not business related. I am always looking, not, I'm going to say always looking. I have been looking for groups, organizations that kind of get involved in. Um, as a business owner, your life frequently is um, pretty separate from other community, you know, as an, yeah. as an employee, especially if a big company. Um, but as a business owner, a lot of times uh, you don't have that spread of, colleagues and community that you do. So um, I know that you're involved in some different communities and stuff. How have you kind of found some of those places to be an encouragement or to go in and get, get involved outside of business? That's a good question. Oh my gosh. We all need community. Humans are creatures that need community. We crave community. I don't care if you love working in your basement, you know, away from all society you need peers, you need people that you can bounce things off of. And that was one of my biggest struggles for honestly, up until I'd say the first three and a half, almost four years, I really struggled to reach out and connect with other women in my, in my business community. And last year, um, that was one thing that I did that I think is the best thing I did last year was start reaching out to other women who own creative agencies and marketing companies. And now we have like a little pack of people, but um, the way you network and you're back to your question about different groups and how you network with them. Uh, there was a networking education moment from an old BNI chapter that I was in a long time ago. And he put it this way, your different groups serve different purposes. So 
if you're wanting to go into a group environment for the purpose of giving back, you know, feeling good, giving back, or maybe feeding a spiritual aspect of yourself, like some sort of a feel good, that would be your civic organizations in your churches. You don't go in there looking for business. You go in there to feed that part of you. Business and connections could be a byproduct, but that's not why you're going to those events, right? And that was eye-opening for me. I'm like, oh, stop treating everything like a networking opportunity. Got it, got it, got it. Just be real in those in those environments. And if, especially when you're in sales, it's hard to kind of take off the hat sometimes and oh, yes. just be a human. So churches and civic organizations, like I'm involved in the Midtown Rotary. My husband got me involved in Rotary and... You know, we're not churchgoers, but we're Bay Rotarians and that's where we go to give back to our community and do do what we want to do, which is, you know, help help send money to parts of the world that are trying to cure polio and help raise money for a teacher's classroom here in Oklahoma City. You know, like the that's the kind of good good in giving back that we do. The second type of organization would be like a trade or an association organization where you're going to learn. You're going to learn and you're going to connect with other people who are um, lateral or maybe up from you. So my my example would be the American Marketing Association. When I was in advertising, you know, I'm, I'm in a room full of marketers, people who work at agencies, people who work in-house at different places. It's a great place to network so that people know of my company. But you have to be really careful in soliciting business from those environments because you don't want to be just perceived as a shark in the water. You're there to learn you're there to grow and you're there to meet your peers. So those two things. Now, the third is where you're actually wanting to put yourself into an environment where you're getting referrals and leads. And that's what BNI is. Okay. That is that is where I have felt the best about being my salesperson self and soliciting my business in that format is in a room full of other business owners who are trying to do the same thing. Sure. I will say that BNI has been awesome. And you know, if you if any of your listeners are unsure of what a BNI group is, it stands for Business Networking International. They are an international organization. They were founded in California. I've been a member for many years. There's chapters all over the United States. There's many chapters in Oklahoma City, Edmond, Moore, Norman, the whole metro. It is a group of people with a structure. At the end of the day, they have a structure and they have education. And to find a good group of people who will refer you you need to find your fit yeah. because my BNI group is going to be completely different from yours. Yes. And my potential to get referred being somebody who works with business owners is going to be completely different than another person's BNI group. But I mean, when you're in and you have the trusted relationships with people and you're referring business, that's the first thing you have to do when you're in those environments is give, like give referrals to get referrals. Dr. Ivan Meissner has a whole book and podcast, education, whatever, go, go, he's making enough money. He can plug himself later. Um, that, but that's super important to, to learn when you're trying to sell your business and sell and grow your business is that you do have to give in order to get when you're in like a business networking environment in order to get that relationship jump started. But yeah, those are the three different kinds, three different food groups of networking. That was helpful for me. I like it. Thank you. That's good. Give us some, give us some, very educational this this episode. Thank you. Good. Good stuff. Hope so. Um, we're a few minutes left here. Okay. Where would you like to see Siren Media in five years? Uh, that's a good question. That's I feel like we just finished year four. Year four was in November and it was it was a painful year. Had some, you know, 
turnover and new employees and trying to figure out how to grow and scale. You know, me being a businessman, business salesperson and business development person has not, I, I just feel like I haven't really sharpened those managerial skills and that talent development skill set. So there are things I'm working on with my business. And one of the one of the questions I'm asking myself is how big do I want it to go or how how exclusive do I want to be? Do I want to be a boutique firm that only takes a certain number of clients and projects? Working that out right now. Yeah. We're running the numbers on that. We'll see. But on the flip side to that is if I'm going to grow, that's going to require a lot more of me and how much of me and other members of my team do we have access to? There was one quote that was like, I saw it on Instagram the other day. I'm always served Instagram ads by people trying to reach marketing agency owners. And I'll always look at them because they did their job in trying to target me. But it was something to the effect of, you're a human being and you are not built to scale. Hmm. And I've been thinking about that a lot. So that might look something like a course that you can take from Siren Media. If you don't have the budget to hire an agency and have somebody else do all your work, maybe you do all your work and we're just more of an accountability figure. I'm playing with uh, business ideas like that. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun part. I enjoy that too. So what if? What if? What if? We're just spitballing here. Yeah. As, as long as you don't get sucked into it constantly. Yes, yeah. yes. I would love, um, I think I'm leaning more right now toward building something that can be more recurring and having that take over some of the implementation Absolutely. work we do. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen well, there. thanks. Um, so you got to share with us, what's the one piece of technology you couldn't live without? My iPhone. Okay. That thing runs my life. Yeah. I'm going to have to find a, a, a way to rephrase that differently because I think it's always phone. I'm going to, with okay, the, okay, okay. If we, excluding your phone, what's the one piece? But you don't need to see anything of something else. That's, we'll ask you that next time you're on. Okay. Um, and if someone wants to reach out, they want to learn more about Siren Media, how can they get in touch with you? You can follow us on Instagram at Siren Media OKC. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as my company, Alyssa Weathers Murphy and Siren Media OKC. You can find us on Facebook. You won't find me on TikTok yet. Gosh, dang it. That's just going to be another thing. But, you know, we're doing the best we can. Uh, but you can visit my website, www.sirenmediaokc.com. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you this so much, fun. Chris. This was it. lovely. I did too. Thanks to the three people out there that listened and Woo-hoo. we'll see you all next time. <laughs>